After further review, as this is one of Frank's favorite songs. Do not listen to him. He is selling you snake oil. We don't sell snake oil, but we provide an entertaining and thought-provoking sports show on 88.3 WXUT. Saturdays from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. And sometimes we provide a life lesson. Ain't that right, Frank? Life lesson, my ass. Don't be a hater. And tune in to AFR Saturday mornings, 11 to 1 on WXUT. Fula. Welcome back to 88.3 WGTs. After further review, another tape show for you here is uh, I'm going to be out of town, so I had to get up and close and personal with Frank Bashner earlier in the show with the power play. And then we got David the Got Harris calling, and he wasn't here last week as we were actually live in the studio for you. And uh, so we now are back at it and the, 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 I guess, pre-recorded studio hopefully next week we might or might not be live again during memorial day weekend but right now we're gonna talk a little bit about the nba and i guess since you teased it uh david uh what what are you talking about how james harden is in a worse position than lebron james by the way got a recap here uh the um warriors and rockets are playing each other that series is tied at 1-1 both games have somewhat been blowouts so to speak, and then LeBron James is down 0-2, and uh, he uh, he's gonna have to do a little bit of work here. As some people didn't think that the Celtics could even win one game, which is I think kind of crazy considering that you know they're they, they're scrappy and they fight. They got probably one of the best coaches in the league, uh, but now the 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 uh, Cavs have to win pivotal game three. If they're down 3-0, their chances of getting back to the finals for the third year in a row, and I believe the eighth time for LeBron James is pretty much seriously in jeopardy. Not to mention, it's kind of strange that their two stars aren't playing. But how is it that James Harden, David, is in a worse situation than the King? I think I look at this from two fronts. One, yes, Houston talks about, and the numbers go back, everyone look, look at the favorite metrics and look at the high-powered offense. But when I was watching Game 2 in particular, like, yes, they played the same way that they did in Game 1, but you really had the bench and the depth really ball out in ways that hadn't been done even in the regular season. So you have the likes of P.J. Tucker going off. You have the likes of Eric Gordon going off. You have Trevor Reza going off. And, yes, they won you know, by double digits. It really wasn't close for the majority of the game. But outside of Harden, Chris Paul, and um, Clint Capella, that was a significant chunk of your offense between those three players. And so for me, going back, you know, going home to Golden State, I fully expect Steph Curry to figure out at least his offensive side and his offensive struggles. Defensively, they're going to I fully expect them to continue to ISO. I still ball him on defense and really attack him because between just having to do work on the offensive end, but then also the injuries to his legs, like he can't keep up with that ice ball. But two, like how many people outside of Houston, Texas, really expect the Houston Rockets to shoot the way that they did in game three? Like, yes, they played the same way between one and two, but in game two, those shots fell. And for Golden State, who 
for a significant chunk of that you know, first half in particular, they were doing the ISO ball dribbling, not really going with the team ball. And so for me, when I think about Houston, can they really sustain the success? I don't know, because not only have we seen historically with James Harden kind of crumbling in, in the kind of the conference when, you know, times get tough, you know, do we really expect Chris Paul to continue this momentum? Yes, he's having kind of a renaissance year, but we all know that there's always that one or two games where he just, you know, doesn't look his best. And then we're expecting guys like Tucker, like Ariza, like Gordon to continue to score, you know, 20 plus points. When for Eric Gordon, he didn't score 20 in the right, you know, in any game in the regular season. And then I really like, you know, the cojones on, P.J. Tucker to say our small ball lineup is the best in the league when, like, dude, like, really? Like, after one game, you say it's the best in the league when, you know, the team over there, like, has won championship with this lineup. Well, I, I, like, I think, David, you, you got to look at it this way. And, and they mentioned it on TNT and everything like that, that they needed to make some adjustments, not pretty much change, but I will tell you this, Houston does have the firepower to match hit for hit and lick for lick, so to speak, against the the Golden State Warriors. I'll say that. Their role players can really hit those shots. The thing with them is it can't get into an iso ball isolation where James Harden is going to be the ball-dominant guy. And I, and I mentioned this um, in, the, in the text. The one c- cool thing that I saw that Houston did was – they let Chris Paul be the playmaker and be the distributor. Now, normally James Harden is usually more of the point guard and more ball dominant, but they let basically Chris Paul do most of the distributing abilities and then had, you know, once in a while, you know, James Harden do his one-on-one thing. Or they would say, okay, Chris, you've been distributing a lot. Let's go back to the iso ball and then let's isolate on Steph Curry. So he makes him, forcing him to play defense. Because I'll tell you right now, the one thing to beat the Warriors is pretty much you're going to have to attack Steph Curry and make your def- make him play defense to su- make him suffer on his offense. Because when he's playing a whole bunch of defense all the time, uh, he's not going to be hitting all those long-range shots because he's going to be tired. And he looks tired. And, and I think it's a good strategy. I think it just didn't work in game one because – it became too iso ball dominant, not to mention they need to get in their offense quicker. And I think Chris Paul, with it in his hands, he can get the ball up the court, push the tempo, get those easy baskets, but then also it initiates the offense a little bit earlier. Because James Harden, I'll admit, he dribbles a little bit too much. I mean, it's effective for them. Yeah, you got 65 wins. Obviously, majority of your wins came against uh, 28 other teams or uh, you know, 28 other teams that you could kind of stack your wins against. You, you're not going to be able to do that all the time with Golden State, especially in a seven-game series. But I think the problem that happened with them in game one was they did the iso ball, and then when he wanted to distribute the ball to someone, there's only three to four seconds left in the shot clock. You're just going to get a bad shot every time. So I think they kind of adjusted that, pushed the tempo, gave let the playmaker be more Chris Paul, and they pretty much show that they can run with these guys. Now, if they keep up with that same strategy, I want to see what the counter move is for Golden State. But I kind of agree with P.J. Tucker. They got it, a formidable team that probably has the recipe to beat Golden State. And the thing to, to, beat, to beat them really is to pretty much put pressure on Steph Curry, 
to play defense because he hasn't really played through the playoffs. So we don't even know if he has his playoff legs. That that's that's one question that we need to know. How well is that knee? And we also know he's not really he's he's somewhat of a defensive liability, and they need to limit their turnovers and bad shot selection. That's how Golden State's pretty much been on this dynasty run. Is I'll give them credit. They play really good defense. They force you into some poor turnovers but a lot of times they'll force you into poor shots that end up for them getting the rebound and them since they're such sharpshooters they're getting open shots all the time and I think that's what Houston kind of did now obviously you got to kind of play flawlessly against Golden State you know it's a little easier said than done and and I want to see what does Steve Kerr do with the adjustments yeah and, and I think kind of think about that game too and kind of D'Antoni intentionally saying, hey, we got here playing, you know, ISO, doing, you know, all the dribbling, kind of dribbling down the clock. But, yeah, for me, like you said, it's are they going to – how can they play flawlessly three more games in the best of five? And for me, I just – kind of between them and kind of if Golden State relies on that home crowd, which we've seen Oracle get into it, can that really fuel – kind of that home court advantage does you know, Golden State, if they jump out to a big lead, does it for, or does it get into Houston's mind? All right. James Harden's going to get like, Hey, I got to get ISO to get these buckets to kind of quell the bleeding a little bit. But then also kind of speaking for Golden State, I don't expect Clay to struggle, Draymond to struggle, Steph to struggle all together. Like, yes, one of them can struggle or one of them can have a quote-unquote poor game. But if it's just KD out there, 30-plus points, and then the next highest score is, you know, 17-18, like, that's not, one, that's not Golden State, how they play. And two, that means that their shots aren't going, they're relying too much on either shooting the three ball early in the shot clock or not really getting to their team offense really and so those are kind of the two things i think about but again the reason i think about james harden being in more trouble it's you saw the kind of game that they had to play to beat golden state well they well they beat them soundly though david you 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 act like that that's just not going to happen again and that you know golden state's going to come in and just give them the slap job i mean i really think this is this series is probably going to go Seven. I, I've, I've predicted that. I, I think this is going to go back and forth, take for tack, and whoever basically falters is going to probably make a mistake somewhere or someone's, you know, style of play is going to just pretty much outplay them. But, I mean, you're acting like they like Houston can't play this way. I mean, they've been playing this way all year. I can understand if – um, they were playing a way where it was like, holy crap, you know, they haven't played like that all year. That's like the Cavs. That's like saying J.R. Smith comes out and goes seven for seven from the three-point line. You know, we know J.R. Smith has been playing like that all year, and if he has one good game like that, you know for sure he's not going to do it again. But Houston, they actually could maybe win a couple games playing like they did in game two, and it is very possible it could happen again. Well, I mean, Yes, it could happen again. I just don't think it's going to happen three more times, which if it goes seven, yes, they'll have the advantage of the game seven on their home floor, which I think will be critical and which is why I think if Golden State's in six, because I think Golden State closes out on their home floor, 
But yeah, I just thinking about the role players. I don't expect Eric Gordon to have that well of a shooting night. I don't expect PJ Tucker to have that great of a shooting night. They may, you know, contribute, you know, ten or fifteen, maybe. Yeah, like that's more not realistic, but kind of in line with kind of how I think they'll play for the rest of the series. But do I expect them to just be lighthouse from the three point line? No. Even with them being a high power three point shooting team and knowing the fact that the only way that you can really beat Golden State is to just shoot nine thousand threes in a game and hope that Golden State misses theirs, which kind of is what happened in game two along with well, isolation and really well, I, 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 I think the thing about it is that you got to play your game against Golden State and I think that's been a problem in the league don't give me, don't give me you know give, I'll give them credit where credit's due they're, they're, they're a dynasty basically they're a hell of a team but you can't get caught up okay they're shooting threes so we got to shoot threes they have that personnel to do that. And I see so many teams in the league trying to match them tick for tat for threes and it's like that's not going to work that's just not going to work you're, you're going to have to play your game if the Warriors are better than you well guess what the Warriors are better than you but a lot of teams get demoralized because they get trapped into trying to trade threes for threes and almost you got Durant that can shoot them you got Steph that can shoot them you got Clay that can shoot them Draymond can step out there and shoot them once in a while so right there I've already named four guys that could be possibly on the court that can hit the threes and most NBA teams on a consistent basis of hitting threes, they only probably have, most majority teams only have one or two guys that can do that. But they try to have everybody shoot the three. And it's like, no. Try to use your, you know, like I said, I, I applaud Houston. I think they had like 49 or 50 plays in games one and two, and 43 out of them were trying to attack Steph Curry, which I thought, oh, okay, that, that you know, that, that's the strategy that they're trying to go with. And, that, and I think that's what they need to do. You need to find some of their weaknesses, and just play your game. And I think that's why I think Houston could probably do well in this series. They're going to play like they normally play. Now, obviously, you're going to make a few tweaks here and there in the playoffs because it is like a chess match, but at least they're playing their game. Yeah, and, that, and again, thinking about them playing their game, like, and they, they've come out all season saying, hey, we want Golden State, hey, we want Golden State, which Again, everyone in the West knows that Golden State's the top dog. But I, you know, when they're shooting their shots, when they're hitting their shots, this Houston team is, you know, the reason why they have home court advantage. This is the reason why they look so formidable throughout the regular season when they're hitting their shots. It's just, can you keep hitting your shots while simultaneously Golden State not hitting theirs? I just don't think those two will happen. Very or to the like crazy extent that it happened in game two. Well, yeah, you're right. I mean, I, do I think the Warriors will probably get blown out again? Um, probably not. Um, I, I really think that you know, uh, I think it's going to be tick for tat and go back and forth. I, like I said, I I I don't think. It could maybe be one more blowout for both teams, but I think when it gets down to the nitty-gritty, you know, and remember, Golden State has been down 3-1 before a couple years ago to Oklahoma City, and they found a way to, you know, be scrappy and gritty about things. So, um, I don't know, but I just think that 
for the first time in a few years in the Western Conference, maybe besides that Oklahoma City team when Durant was playing on it. I think this is a team that can really match up really well with them and still play their kind of some of their style of basketball. And I also think hopefully they don't falter. Now, I do know Chris Paul and James Harden have been known to kind of fall or, you know, not live up to the hype all the time. So we'll we'll see what goes on with that. Yeah, and again, this is obviously the more interesting of the two series because for many people it's the de facto final just because it's Golden State, Houston, the two teams that pretty much dominated the rest of the league throughout the regular season. I want to hear that because what if Boston I mean, comes not... out and they play really well? I mean, everyone was thinking that, you know, Cleveland was going to, oh, God, they got Boston. Well, they're going to automatically to the finals, and now they're down 0-2. I mean, well, you know, come on now. We can't assume that, that's, especially when it comes down to the conference finals and the finals of the NBA. I mean, pretty much these are the four best teams in the league. I mean, pretty much they've shown it. Now, Toronto, obviously, eh, you know, they were the number one seed in the East. But, you know, I kind of think that, you know, they were kind of not really all there, especially with LeBron James. But you got the best player in the league, probably on one of the crappier teams, though. So he's in it. Boston's a really formidable team, and then obviously Houston and, and Golden State. So I'm not going to be trying to say, well, this team, just because it's going on, they're going to automatically punch their ticket and they're going to get to the finals. I mean, if that's the case, then why play the games? Why play? If we know Golden State's going to win it, why even play? Just, you know, just crown them. Just be like UCF, say that you're the national champions, and then we'll just call it a day. Just crown well, them. I mean, just, just crown them. Just say, you know what? You're the champs because on paper, nobody matches up with you. So just give them the crown, David. Well, I mean, again, like, I'm not subscribing to those no. because, again, like, you know, but this is, if you look on social media, this is what people leading up as soon as, well, really, as soon as Houston got past Utah and it was like Golden State, yeah, they may have a little trouble in the semis. But we, like majority of people knew that you know this was a collision course. Well, and then looking at the East, and again, not giving any credit because I think Boston, like we knew Boston would get to the conference finals. We didn't think that it would look like this when they got to the conference finals, just because we thought the loss of Kyrie and Gordon Hayward would, you know, in the playoffs, scores having those solid options, but. Again, kind of transitioning to the East. Like, Boston is playing team ball that's really letting LeBron do whatever he wants because LeBron's just going to do whatever he wants anyways. And it's, hey, it's these other guys that need to show off. So let's make sure that we pay attention to these guys, make sure these guys don't go off. And even if they do go off, it won't matter because... What have we said on this show about social media? It's a land of nobody's trying to be somebody's, and they're trying to get their hot take out there so somebody can respond to it. So, I mean, I, I don't really care what they say on social media. <laughs> you know how I am, David. I really, I, really, I really don't care what they say on social media. Yeah, I mean, well, some of them make good points. Most of the time they don't because, you know. Again, social media, most of these guys have never played sports, followed sports, like, you know, armchair quarterbacks, coordinators. And so, I mean, it's, you know, they always throw out, and one thing I heard over social media, 
kind of this past week thinking about the East in particular. It's like, oh, LeBron's been down, or the Cavaliers have been down three, one in the finals. They're not great. It's like, no, LeBron's been down in the finals before. Like, the rest of these guys, you know, poop a hammer. It's just like, well, yeah, LeBron could come back from 3-1 down. LeBron could do all this stuff. The rest of that team, eh. like, the jury, like, it wasn't, what, four or five months ago when it was, hey, Kevin Love may be ostracized from the entire locker room? I mean, like, and we all know, you know, because their mentality, at least in the past couple of years, is that, hey, if we're just going to shoot 83s, we're going to shoot 83s. But then if they're not hitting, it's like now you see what's out there and then whatever Tristan Thompson, you know, has going on. But, yeah. Well, you, we know he's part of the, the Kardashian clan, so we know he's going to be out of it. That always happens when you get with the Kardashian. But the, the, this Eastern Conference playoffs, um, am I surprised it's 2-0? I thought it would be 1-1 at least. I figured this series would probably go to six. I didn't. Un- I never understood why people thought. We talked about this last week with Frank and a few of his friends, where people thought it was going to be an easy series against them because they matched up better with the Raptors, who the Cavs, you know, pretty much swept. I mean, let's face it. I. I it, it's all about matchups. It's. It is. And 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 I really thought that the way that Indiana played the Cavs, they they pretty much set out the blueprint to how you play the Cavs. Be physical with them push it up the court, move the ball around, and that's what they're doing. They're basically moving it around, uh, taking advantage of mismatches. I mean, Kyle Korver, you know, I understand he's trying, but he's slow. He's a, he's a mismatch on defense, so you're going you're gonna to attack that. You're going to get him in the pick-and-roll action. Kevin Love, not known as a defender, so if you got Kevin Love and Kyle Korver out there, you can get them in pick-and-roll and you basically, you know, pick them apart and not to mention they're they're really much hitting them in the mouth they're being physical with them and the Cavs are wilting and that's what happened pretty much in the Pacers series the only problem was they weren't as talented and plus they didn't have the king but now with Boston you got a little bit more you got more depth on this team and they got more guys they can throw at LeBron and pretty much try to tire him out and that's what they pretty much have done you know the both games I think LeBron has pretty much looked very tired. Yeah, and I think kind of comparing Boston and Indiana, in Indiana it was basically Oladipo was the de facto LeBron for that Pacer team. It's like when he's on the floor, he's got to be the one that scores 30, 40 to keep their team in there. Whereas Boston, they really have six guys that can be legitimate scoring options. Think about Marcus Morris. Think about Tatum. Think about Horford, Rozier, Brown, and Marcus Morris. Like, each of those guys aren't afraid to shoot the ball and aren't afraid to really be, when they're on the floor, either a focal point or kind of be an important piece within that offensive game plan. And so, and I, I've been hearing about it all week. It's like, oh, let's give you know Kevin Love some slack. He, you know, he's out there balling. He's putting up 22 and 15. You know, he's, or in game two, he put up 22 and 15. It's like, give him a break. It's like, no, you were pretty much supposed to be the scoring option. Like, you were brought in to be the third piece, and then when Kyrie got traded, like, you're supposed to be the guy that runs the focal point of this offense 
when LeBron needs to take a breather because, you know, playing 40, you know, 40-plus minutes every game is tired. Like, it's tiring. It wears you down. And so, for me, kind of my question is kind of think about Tyron Lue and his replacement. Can he really create an offense to where if LeBron goes to the bench, Kevin Love can be utilized in similar ways to when he was in Minnesota to where, like, we know Kevin Love doesn't want to be in the block. Like, we know this. But can you orchestrate something to either get him some shots or I think he would want to be in the block. That's how his whole, his whole game was in Minnesota. I mean, he pretty much got relegated. <laughs> He pretty much got relegated to being an outside guy. I mean, that's the same thing with on on uh, uh, with Chris Bosh. You know, you basically are going to be, I need the driving lanes to be open, so you're going to have to be out there playing on the perimeter. I've, I've said this a lot with them is that sometimes let Kevin Love get natural. I think that's how he gets his game going, and I think that's how it could help him hit threes. Because if he misses a couple threes, it's going to get in his head, and he's going to keep missing. But let him get down there and, you know, work up a lather and, and maybe get some of the bigs in foul trouble like Horford down there and bang with them and maybe get Horford tired and then bring them outside and start hitting things. Um, I, I really think that the, the, the Cavs, it, it, I hate to say it, I think Colby Altman, as I've said all year, horrible GM, I think that, I and I said that right after I met him at the USA Youth Basketball uh, Coaches Clinic, I didn't think he was ready. I think he was a guy that, you know, tried to be, the smartest guy in the room and you traded Kyrie Irving and you got nothing. Now, some people would say, well, well, yeah, you traded you. Anytime you trade a star, you're not going to get anything for it. But I mean, he pretty much got nothing. You got an, the eighth pick in the draft that, you know, the coveted draft pick. And I don't know what you can really do with that. You didn't really move any bad contracts like J.R. Smith or Tristan Thompson. I mean, I can understand you know, people don't want to pick them up, but somehow, some way to at least get them some leverage to maybe entice some free agents. You had to kind of get rid of those bad contracts, and he didn't. And then you made a, a, another trade, and you somewhat had a band aid, but George Hill is terrible. He can't shoot. So he's not a threat. Yeah. He's not really, he's kind of, he's not, he used to be pretty good on defense. He doesn't do that very well. Jordan Clarkson, he's been known in his career to be inconsistent. and It's like, you know, Larry Nance, he tries. He's going to be more of a role player. I think he can help a team out. I think maybe if Larry Nance played a couple years ago, he would really, really, really help out this Cavs team. But right now they need more from him, and this is not something that he can provide. And He's just very young, and he's in the playoff mode. And I understand – the Celtics are too, but you know their young guys are are more talented than Larry Nance. So let's let's put that out there right now. So you you just didn't get anything. You just you went from old spare parts to younger spare parts that look pretty decent. And you know I think Coach Lou, it just looks like people are exhausted. I you know being around LeBron in the circus can get very exhausting. And then you have your situation where you have all these high expectations and you could just see it they look lethargic hopefully maybe they go home on saturday and they get a pick me up and they they get it in gear 
but it just seems like the Celtics are just more talented on the floor with the players, and it seems like basically Coach Lou is getting out coached by Brad Stevens. Yeah, and kind of to that point, thinking about that trade in the in the midseason where you know we talked about on the show, kind of what is going to look like for that having to restart, quote-unquote. Not to interrupt you, though, but also remember Rodney Hood hasn't done anything. Nothing. Nothing. So yeah. basically what, what the Celtics did to the, the, the Cavs this season is they have better players. They're being outplayed. They're being outcoached. And pretty much their GM pretty much, you know, swindled the other GM for the Cavs. Danny Ainge pretty much swindled. Colby Altman, and you're seeing the results of that, and you're seeing the Cavs getting their butt whooped. Yeah, thinking about that trade, like, so between George, this is game two, between George Hill, Rodney Hood, Larry Nance, and Jordan Clarkson, those four players that were brought in, and and we had the conversation of what are they going to contribute because, you know, playoff time and having that depth. Between them, we had five points, one assist, and seven rebounds between those four players. Like, in that in that game, too. So it's like, you're basically, yeah, you brought in, with this trade, you brought in guys that could be kind of inserted either in the starting lineup or get some kind of depth, you know, young players aside. I mean, Jason Tatum is a rookie, and he's out there falling out. Is that partly because he's a significant focal point in the offense when he's on the floor. Yeah. You know, so you get that usage rate. But if you're Cleveland, if you're making the shot, LeBron will find you. And so it's basically LeBron's out there with the same guys that he was playing with before the trade. It's those same core guys, really, LeBron James and Kevin Love, and then, you know, a sprinkle of Tristan Thompson here, a sprinkle of Kyle Korver here if he wants to make a three or two. But it really is. Every every playoff, LeBron, you have to go out and score sixty, like fifty to sixty, just to have your team in it. And you're banking on a good night from your your role players, kind of similar to the Houston situation. It's like you're banking on these guys to ball out to get you over that hump to get a game and. Well, I don't. I, I don't know if that's. And once again, I kind of disagree with you on that one, Derek. This or uh, David that this like the Houston situation. Houston has way more talented players and guys that can actually knock down shots. At least with Houston, when I watch them, it's like okay, that guy's a threat. That guy's a threat. He cuts to the basket. The, the guys that they have with the Cavs, you're gonna have to be doing a lot of praying that hopefully they can hit a shot. Heck, hopefully they can hit the backboard let alone saying that, you know, once in a while they play really well. I'm telling you, that's what it is. So I really think that um, Houston, I think, is a little bit better off than what, than the Cavs. Oh, no, I mean, just kind of compared to thinking about the three-point shooting. Like when Houston, Houston, Golden State, Cleveland, when the three-point shooting is on, you know, they're shooting, you know, scoring 20, 30 three-pointers a night. Like without any problems because they have so much shooting on their depth. I think with Cleveland, it's they rely on that three point shooting so much to where if they're not hitting the threes, they have no real significant inside presence other than LeBron James. 
I mean, Kevin Love is down there to get rebounds every once in a while, to get rebounds, at least on the defensive end, the occasional offensive rebounds. But Tristan Thompson isn't, you know, down there being a big body because Al Horford just keeps bullying him. Aaron Baines keeps bullying him. Like, Kevin Love, yes, he wants to be down in the blocks, but how often do we see him down in the blocks? And like you said, maybe it's time for... Tyron Lue to be like, hey, Kevin, start in the block, get your points, get your confidence up, and maybe that starts with them going home and having that confidence boost like, hey, we're going to feed you, Kevin Love, we're going to feed you. And kind of similar to what happened in the Toronto series, kind of if he gets fed, then he's going to be more comfortable, like you said, going out, shooting that three-point, being in that corner pocket, just pick and pop, pick and pop. But, yeah, it's it's going to be an interesting game three because, one, Boston, when they're up 3-0, they don't lose in their entire franchise history. And two, like, this this Boston team, like, they've got some pieces. And they're, because of the wheeling and dealing of their GM and ownership and management, they're just going to keep getting better because they have pieces. that They have trade assets. So if they want to get better if they want to bring in another kind of veteran superstar kind of and I use no superstar stars loosely but they could bring in another piece there and then thinking about next year when Gordon's healthy when Kyrie's healthy what is this team going to look like both positively in terms of hey you have two more stars that you can insert to already amazing line that's gotten you to 2-0 in the Eastern Conference Finals, but then also kind of what does this do to Jason Tatum's uses rate? What does that do with guys like Terry Rozier, who's really developed and burst into the scene in the playoffs? A guy like Marcus Smart, who is that high-energy guy off the bench, but who can also answer the starting line. What does that do for some of those other pieces that are kind of those young stars that we're seeing in this postseason? What happens when the quote-unquote, big money stars get back on the floor. Well, I mean, they got time to think about that, but we got to get going, David. I mean, we'll see. Right now, they're worried about game three for both teams, and I think both series will really get ramped up. Uh, hopefully, I think both I'll hope both go to seven. I think it'll be kind of interesting. I, I think the, the more interesting series is going to be more Houston Golden State. I think it's more entertaining. Um, but then again, though, the storyline with the Cavs is is uh, how much is LeBron got to carry uh the spare parts. What you got planned this weekend, David? Uh, sports all over the tube. College, you know, softball, college, baseball. A little bit of NBA draft combine, which you mentioned earlier. See, see who are the Bulls going to pick? Eh, I don't know about that one, David. <laughs> anyway, we'll talk about that a little bit later in, uh, next month. All right, take it easy, man. All right, see you next week. Yep, that was David, the man of God, Harris. Uh, talked a little bit of NBA for you. As I mentioned before, it's, it's going to be kind of interesting. It can, if LeBron can win with this team, I'm going to say he's better than Michael Jordan. Because, I mean, this team is totally horrible. Anyway, make sure you check us out on our uh, SoundCloud page and on iTunes. WHT after further review on SoundCloud. And after further review on iTunes uh, for David and Frank Vaster giving you your, his hockey uh, power play. I'm Derek Lawson. This has been a presentation of 88.3 WXUT. We are always on Saturdays 11 to 1 and also on our podcast. Peace. I'm out. Check us out.